Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm so glad you're here today for this very fun interview that I have for you. Today, I have Brenda Jacobson on the show. Brenda is the president of Mindful Communications, and she is just amazing. She's in YPO. I've met her years ago. We've always stayed in touch, even though she lives in the Chicago area, and I just adore her. She is such a believer in bringing mindfulness and well-being into the workplace. And in this interview, we talk a lot about how she's doing this through her organization and how she's doing this through mindful communications. And it is right up my alley. So you can imagine that we had all kinds of fun uh, time discussing uh, how you bring mindfulness coaching in and how you really look at yourself as a leader and how you're showing up as your whole self to encourage your employees to show up as their whole selves too. Just a little bit more about Brenda before we move on. She's a sought after keynote speaker and a thought leader on topics related to leadership, mindfulness, and building resilience. She serves on a few boards. She's a director for LifeXT and Mindful Communications. And she also has done lots of work in um, the nonprofit space, in the Homeless Empowerment Project, and the National Association of Occupational Health Professionals. You're going to love this interview. She is just articulate and lovely, and her passion just comes through. And it is uh, such a fun interview. So hang tight, and I'll be right back with Brenda. All right, everybody, I'm back with the beautiful, amazing Brenda Jacobson. Brenda, thanks for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Brenda Jacobson. I am a mom. I've been married for almost 18 years and I'm the president of Mindful Communications. And Mindful is this really beautiful combination of two entities that we merged in COVID. One was a consumer media brand, the other a corporate training program based in mindfulness. And so you meet me here today as Mindful Communications, a public benefit corp. Um, and we're, what we're here to do is bring the gifts of mindfulness to as many people as possible globally. That's wonderful. And how did you get involved with Mindful Communications? So I came into Mindful through Life Cross Training, which was the corporate mindfulness program. I'd been brought on as the first full-time CEO about four, four and a half years ago. And we kept bumping into this scaling challenge. You know, we had this amazing coaching experience, but as scalable as I believe coaching is, we weren't getting to everyone. And we didn't want to remain a solution that only the kind of top elite in organization got access to. We wanted to cascade throughout the entire organization. And so we were looking for a strategic partner to help us expand our platform, to be able to offer resources that could be more cost efficient for employers and to expand our audience, to expand our reach. And, and we put all of this plan, we put these plans together before COVID hit, never picturing how perfectly we were positioning ourselves to support these transformational changes that we've experienced in the last three years. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about that, but this is really interesting to me. So uh, I'm a huge believer in coaching. Uh, a lot of my employees have coaches, not just uh, at the executive level, and it's had remarkable results in helping both underperformers turn things around, but also helping star performers learn how to manage stress and really, you know, excel beyond what their their current capabilities. So I'm a huge believer in it. And, but it is tough to scale because you know, I basically have like one or two coaches that I work with at that level and they can only handle so much. So tell me about that a little bit. Like how do, do you bring that corporate coaching in at a scalable level through an organization? So we have decided to focus on a very specific kind of set of skills that foundationally are mindfulness. And so when people ask, are you a leadership coach or are you therapists or are you this? We're well-being coaches. We're mindfulness coaches. And what we know is that you will likely be a better leader if you can be more present, if you are able to have more of an empathetic relationship with your team, with your colleagues, with your leaders, if you can connect through compassion, through a genuine caring for those that you work with and spend most of your time with. And so we, we put together different levels of coaching experience experiences. And then our largest client, which is Deloitte, actually helped us build out a technology platform where we were able to compress our coaching down to just 15 minute sessions. So we answer kind of this question of well, where there's no space in my schedule. You know, we're working with people who already feel overwhelmed and overscheduled and overcommitted. So to say we want to layer in an additional hour per month or per, you know, every two to three weeks of coaching that can just feel like too much. So we were, we were designed to meet people where they are and to start small and to build and, you know, more time means more space to handle what's here for you at this moment, Carrie. And that might mean that you're worried about an aging parent or something to do with your kids or, you know, a really um, toxic relationship at work or, you know, all these other things that kind of just take us out of the present moment. So our coaching is really foundationally about cultivating the skill of presence and then being able to empower individuals to be more in control of how they experience their lives at work, but also outside of work. And when you think about how important it is for us to keep the people that we want to keep, you know, as a leader, think about the value placed on an individual when they see that their company cares enough to say, we want to bring this experience to you. You know, we, we want you to be able to thrive and find joy and, and creativity and expansiveness in your day so that you show up better at work, but you show up better to in life and all the people that you relate to in the, in the course of that experience. So it's really fun because I will quote our participants. It can be life-changing and it doesn't require a whole lot more than just being willing to explore things that can be simply integrated into your everyday activities. Um, so it's, it feels like this big secret that we just want to get out there, but we're finding that more and more employers are owning 
uh, some responsibility around mental health. And our work is under the mental health umbrella, but we are, we're really supporting individuals before they might need a therapist or before they might need some type of clinical intervention. So yeah. it feels like a real gift. So that's yeah. how we've thought about coaching. And then the, sca the scaling piece is also because we've been able to create a more affordable way with technology. You know, the, the beauty of technology is scale, but we've kept that real connection with a person because we also know that that's where the transformation occurs. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a powerful thing. Um, I just put my executive management team through the Positive Intelligence Program. Uh, yeah. and we, you know, the other fellow YPR, I uh, love Shazad and I, and I really, it brings a lot of mindfulness into the picture too, of when you're getting triggered and, you know, how do you bring yourself back through, whether it's through tactile, through breathing, through tensing your body, through, you know, intently visualizing something. And it, it was, it's really powerful. And, you know, just having those little micro moments to help you go, oh, I'm being triggered. And, and this is why, and I can get it under control so it doesn't hijack me is such a powerful thing. My, my team is, is just singing its praises and I'm trying to figure out like, how do I make this, how do I make this like scalable for my whole organization? It sounds like you guys have come up with something that really can help every single person on a, uh, at an organization. Yeah. And that can meet individuals where they are. You know, yeah. what, what technology is great for is scale, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's hard for it to feel really customized when technology is the only part of the experience. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people are offering apps, for example, and I think apps can be a really, you know, powerful way to support integrating habits, like a daily meditation practice. But if you're not getting the support of figuring out how these things fit into your life, yeah with the help of a person that you're connecting with and maybe that you feel motivated to show up for because they're your cheerleader or maybe your accountability partner, however you need to frame the relationship to stay focused on it. Um, otherwise it's just too easy to let it fall off. I think our never ending to-do list. So yeah. I, I love how today we're talking about self-care, less about this spa-like indulgence that we used to think about. Like, I almost felt like self-care was like a dirty word. Like, oh, wow, you have time for that. Wow, life must be good for you. Now it's like, no, if we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't show up for ourselves or for anyone else that's relying on us. And I think especially as leaders, if we're not willing to model this work, no one will truly feel safe to create the time and space to do it themselves. So yeah. I think it's, you know, it's wonderful that you're doing, it sounds like that work with your leadership team and our, the biggest success, like the clients that get the most out of investing in work like ours, they're willing to do it from, you know, starting at the very top and then how it cascades, you know, we can get creative with and offer kind of multiple paths for engagement so that it feels curated and, an experience that each individual can create, but it has to be, it ha people have to believe that they're really being told this is important and you can yeah. make time out of your day to do this. Yep. I know. I I'm I'm such a believer in it. I say uh, my, my mantra yeah. is self-care is a discipline, not a luxury. <laughs> you yes. have to do it. And really, it's really important to model it. And it is, I mean, I've read an article that said that, that mental health is, costing corporate America between like 20 and $40 billion annually. 
with sick days and people who are unproductive because they can't show up as their whole selves at work. I mean, that's staggering. If that doesn't get business leaders' attention to say, this is really important, I don't know what else does. But, you know, there's so much money that's being lost because people just feel like they don't have a safe place to say, time out, I need some help. And maybe it can be solved through something like mindfulness, but also it could require a lot bigger, more robust programs. And with the worker shortage, like we've got to address this because we're going to have like 6 million, we're going to be short 6 million workers by 2030, what the reports are saying. You can't be burning people out who are like, that's it, I'm done. I can't do this because I've got mental health issues that um, that I can't address. Well, and I think that there's, all of that is true. And I believe the companies that will really remain competitive in the future for attracting the talent that they want, they've been thinking about this. COVID may have accelerated some of those plans and investments, but the idea that we're going to continue to offer the traditional benefits package that, you know, at best included like full coverage and health insurance at best, right? And maybe an EAP that if you were in a crisis, you could call. I don't, I just don't think those things are going to cut it anymore. It has to be beyond that. And I think that for the next generations of workers, they're, they're not like with me where I was happy with whatever I was given when I first started working, you know, they get it that there, there can be this symbiotic relationship where the employer does strategically invest in these things that help create a more balanced and and joyful, happy, fulfilling life at work, because that's, you know, what we're going to see maybe more tangibly, but that spill over just into everything that we're doing. And I, I just don't think we have to limit ourselves in the way that we used to think about, like, what's the employer role versus the individual's role? I think as employers and leaders, we have to be willing to lean into and support and think really creative and innovatively about how do we care for the whole person, right? Not just physical health, but mental health and to continue to destigmatize the need to talk about mental health in a way that people aren't judged or punished or, you know, passed up for promotions or not thought about as being reliable and stable and trustworthy. Those were all things that I feel like, you know, COVID has really accelerated the need to think differently and more holistically about caring for the people that we need to to show up and deliver on our customer commitments. So speaking of the pandemic, and you mentioned it earlier, how has the pandemic changed your business? Are corporations really you know, engaging more in this? And, and did COVID speed this up? Yeah, definitely. So we have the the consumer media brand. And, you know, we've been so fortunate. We're such a trusted brand and kind of source for information that we saw huge spikes in engagement to our online content, especially around how to meditate. So if you search, we're number one organically there. And that really was because I think a lot of people were looking for ways to um, make sense of the chaos, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I, as as humans, we're not hardwired to do well with the unknown. It's really difficult for us to have such overnight disruption and we want to restabilize, right? You know, so I think a lot of us picked up really bad habits. <laughs> I know I picked up some of like binging Netflix, you know, for example. Um, but, you know, I think we were looking to control the things that we could control when so much seemed out of our control. So we had the 
consumer audience really looking for support in different ways. And then, yes, you know, when I joined the corporate mindfulness training program that that brought me to mindful, I remember I never would say the words mindfulness or meditation because I'd be in these meetings with potential clients and it would turn them off because they're like, oh, no, 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 that's that's a little you know, out there. That's not what we're really up to. You know, we're looking for more like wellness, you know, more generally, and, or maybe it was like corporate training, retention, you know, we were kind of always trying to figure out how we fit into a benefit suite, you know, or an HR decision makers kind of framework. And so we were always, you know, having to kind of pick a spot that we could find without displacing a whole lot of other vendors. Now, we're really leaning into, we are mindfulness. And, you know, if it's only an app you want, we're not the right solution, you know? So our, our conversations have changed and we're finding far more receptivity to the idea that employers do own a piece of their team's mental health, that they want to, that that's also expected. And so we can be a solution to help kind of fill in some of these gaps that exist in traditional benefits. So it's, and for the first year and a half, budgets were unstable. You know, everybody was freaking out, holding on to cash. And so it was hard. You know, fortunately, we were in a position where we could survive because I'd hate to be in the spot right now where I could look back on all the wonderful things we could have done, but we ran out of cash, you know. Yeah. So we were also smart with our money, brought in a small round of investment when we merged and, you know, kind of gave us a gave us enough to hold on, you know, through some of that initial turbulence. Yeah. And how about you as a leader? So you went through all of this, you joined it, you know, with the merger for a new company, new role, COVID hits, you know, you're all about mindfulness. Uh, you, yeah. you practice what you preach, like how as a leader, do you incorporate this into your daily life? And is it hard? Yeah. So just a little bit of context. I had sold the family business that I'd been running for 18 and a half years I didn't take a break. I joined Life XT, now Mindful, and I moved my family across the country for this role. Because remember that? We used to I move do. for roles. Yeah, I do. I remember that. <laughs> and, and I so, remember when you moved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 2018, I displaced all of us. We come to this new area. We decide to move out of the city for a number of reasons, mostly that centered around like schooling and, and, and kind of space for our kids never, ever expecting, you know, life to ch change overnight and kind of shut down. So I've been tested regularly. And, you know, part of the practice for me is actually feeling the highs and lows in a way that, you know, I was kind of trained, not really directly, but I was always trained to kind of, you're always happy and smiling. And that's great. You know, just always that even keel, very predictable. And what, Part of my mindfulness practice has opened up space for is like feeling how sad and lonely COVID's been for me. You know, I haven't been in my office. I've been in my office once in the last two years. And part of what brought me to this role with the people, you know, and interacting with this dynamic, smart, driven, purpose-driven team and, you know, and then merging two companies, I've never met most of my team in person, yet I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours with them on Zoom, you know, or on video. And yeah, it's been hard, you know, and then homeschooling and, you know, worrying about the survival of the business and 
seeing my husband all the time, who I love, but was not used to seeing all the time. And my mom lives with us. And so, yeah, it's been hard. I have definitely drawn from my practice and, and it's still been hard. You know, everything about my routines was disrupted and changed overnight. And so we're still trying to figure it out. And what does the new normal look like for us? And is there, you know, why do I need to attach to normal, right? You know, I remember for a while talking about post-COVID as if that would be this moment where COVID was over and everything returned to what felt familiar. I don't want it to go back, Carrie. You know, mm -hmm. I think we've made changes that have improved my, certainly the quality of my life, my relationship with my family, and have made things really hard. But yeah, so it's it's been tough. I, I would I would guess that my experience, you know, has been similar to many of us that have just been trying to stay focused on, you know, one foot in front of the other, but not being crippled by the uh, fact that nothing is ever predictable, even as different as it's felt COVID is less predictable. I never knew what was going to happen tomorrow anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with the unknown. And yeah. so there's been a lot of gifts in COVID. I wish that a global pandemic was not what had to provoke this, you know, the death, the loss, those things, you know, I wish, I wish that all didn't have to be part of it. And if I'm not, you know, taking advantage of the, the learning that I, that I've been reminded of over and over again, it feels like I, I haven't really been present enough to see how life can be different and how, you know, I can, I can choose to lead differently going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think leaders who are going to try to force going back into the old way because it's comfort, comfortable, it's what they know, you know, yeah. I, it's going to be such a mistake because all of this has been building. And yes, the pandemic is the, you know, what sparked a lot of this change that had to happen, but I don't, I am with you. I don't want to go back. I want my employees to feel like they have they can show up as their whole selves, that they have balance, that they find purpose in their work and purpose in their life. And we were already doing a lot of those things, but I, I, I'm proud that there's the great resignation that's happening because people are saying, that's it. I'm, I'm enough. I've had enough. And this is not how I want to live my life. We need to keep our foot on the gas with this so that we can start to change the way that we think about our employees think away the, the way we think about our leadership because it can be such a much healthier way of living and doing business. So I'm with you. I don't want to go back to the old way. Um, I think lots of, well, lots of good things came from it. Yeah. And then I don't know if you've had this experience, but the other piece that I've had was, I remember it, you know, in my first kind of major role, feeling very uncomfortable with certain issues at work. Yeah. Like I wasn't, like I had to almost switch between like my work brain and my personal brain or really my work heart and my personal heart. But I remember just not wanting to go in certain directions in conversations or not wanting to talk about certain social issues or, you know, feeling uncomfortable when people talked about being sad or scared and, or even when I being, being nervous about expressing that myself. And I also feel like the level of intimacy that's been created in the fact that we are literally connecting in each other's homes, right? You know, like you're in my house, my daughter interrupted us earlier and, 
you know, this idea that there are these barriers and walls between these different versions of ourselves, like it's kind of a silly idea to even think about anymore. But I've also found that my team has asked for a different kind of support than I had been giving them before. And I had to, as a leader, be willing to see the and be willing to be vulnerable and available in ways that I don't know that I always was. And I feel really good about that. And even when I'm I'm on the phone a lot with prospective new clients uh, and the best conversations that happen there, we're talking about really personal things that I just don't think I would have had those conversations so quickly before. And I, I appreciate when I'm meeting someone like you who's so willing to just you know, share it all. Um, and you know, I think that's a, a new, a new skill set really that leaders, um, not all leaders are willing to step into because I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to always be everything that people need at that moment, but if nothing else, I can be there. Right. And I can just listen and, you know, and connect. And I think there's incredible power in that. And I think we'll continue to be iterating on what we used to call like soft skills or like EQ. I think it's much more than that, but I would say that that's also been another big change for me in COVID. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm so with you. I, you know, I think that word connection, like that's the key. We need to feel connected and our employees want to connect with us as leaders. And there is no such thing as a perfect leader. We all have flaws. We all do things wrong. We all say the wrong things. We all have baggage. And when we put on this facade of I'm the leader, I'm perfect. I don't have these types of conversations. You need to leave your personal stuff at home. I'm not going to go there. All we do is just build up this wall when we, in fact, ourselves are quite messy too. And so that's why I'm such a big believer in showing up with your whole self and not just being willing to embrace your own flaws internally, but to be able to talk about it openly. When I first started to share my story with my employees, it was incredibly scary. I did it in a, in a really safe situation. We were doing a team building. It came out. I was scared. And then what it did was open up this entire different level of conversation. And the relationships I built because I was willing to say like, hey, I used to be really screwed up. And this is how I pulled myself out of it. And then look, life can be amazing afterwards. Gave a lot of people hope. But if you don't have those conversations because you don't show up as your whole self, you don't feel like it's appropriate, you, you know, you don't want other people to go there, you're just missing out on that deep connection. That's actually what inspires people, not a paycheck, you know, not a promotion, but true connection. So I think that's the really powerful aspect in all of this. Well, and then back to modeling, yeah. you know, Carrie, your, your team is going to feel safe to do yep. that because exactly. you've done it, not because you tell them it's safe. And nope. that's... We we joke about, I co-lead the company with our CEO, Brian Welsh, and we joke about who's going to cry first, you know, kind of funny, but it's just, it's so wonderful to be in a partnership with this masculine leader who is as vulnerable and heart forward, I would argue more than me, but has created kind of the safety to to be revealing and unedited and uh yeah just just real you know i 
the role that I'm in now is the first time as a leader, I've given myself permission to be my whole self yeah. versus what I would say, like my work self and my non-work self before, you know, and it's, it's fun. And all the things you said, like, I don't always get it right. I say things that I'm like, oh, you know, that's not what I meant or something, <laughs> but I don't live with regret. You know, I, I really, I, I try hard because it's just not helpful. I learn from it, you know, and I think about, okay, you know, in that situation, how would I do it differently? But I believe in my world, every single thing had to happen the way it happened to get to today. And so it's just far more energizing for me to think about what I want to create from this moment forward versus, you know, spending all this time wallowing in what I can never change. So yeah, it's, it's, it's both. <laughs> totally. And you know, the, the interesting thing about, thing about this is that you don't want your employees doing those same things, right? Wallowing no. in what can never change. And so it's crazy that we have these expectations of our employees when, when, you know, we d don't, and we don't realize like, Hey, we're in the same exact situation. I bet you what you just said there, dozens of your employees have felt the exact same thing. And I think that's totally. such a, a revealing thing for leaders. Like, okay, it's not just you. <laughs> Everybody is dealing with this work self and, and my, my real self and my family self and who I want to really be in the future. Cause I don't like these things about myself. And you know, we all are just humans just grappling with those same types of questions and issues. And that's where the powerful connection can happen. So good for you for really exploring that. Well, thank you. And I also, you know, I think I um, believe that my children are some of my best teachers yes. because, you know, it's really interesting leading other adults. It's very different leading children and especially children that are really smart and thoughtful and empathetic and opinionated and, you know, becoming adults themselves. And so it's fun because time with them has been the biggest gift of all. I, I would argue, I don't really know that I knew them very well before yeah. COVID. You know, we, we saw each other in the evenings after dinner, when I come home after commuting from work or on the weekends, but it was so busy. Everything was so busy, you know, before and mm -hmm. to just like slow down. So now it's like, all right, what do we want to add back with intention versus like these full schedules that got yeah. cleared <laughs> with COVID. So another gift, um, and then travel, right. You know, I mean, I used to fly somewhere for an hour meeting not literally, but sometimes literally. And it felt really critical to do that. And, and yeah, the power of in-person can never be replaced with virtual, but I think we can all really evaluate best use of time, you know, best, best use of, of being away from your yeah. family or, you know, the impact just like on my energy moving from place to place in the way that I used to, I, you know, I'm not really even sure how I did it sometimes. Like it would just be back to back to back to back. And I, I know how I did it. I wasn't exercising or eating well. And, you know, so some of those things just feel like non-negotiables now. Yeah. Life is better when you're not hurtling, you know, 500, 600 miles an hour through the air all the time in a tin can basically. I'm with you. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm still creating value, you know, because exactly. that's something that's really important yeah. to me. 
course. And I can see now how both exist, yeah. you know, this idea yeah. of abundance, like yeah. there's enough time, energy, money. So when you can come in a decision from a place of abundance versus scarcity, I think the solutions, the options, you know, the paths forward become different. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I know we only have a few more minutes before you have to run, but I do want to touch base on something that I know is really important to you, very important to me, and that's social innovation. And so I'd like to just talk for a few minutes on that uh, because it is such an important topic. Can you talk a little bit about what social innovation is and why you think it's so important for leaders to invest in it? Yeah, well, and it's actually a great tie-in from this idea of abundance. Yeah. So you know, we're a public benefit corp. And, you know, part of that was because Mindful, the magazine had been a nonprofit and Life Cross Training had been a for-profit entity, but certainly measured some of our success based on impact. And so it felt great when we were thinking about what's the ideal structure for these two companies to come together and move forward with. And, you know, the idea was, is yes, we want to make money. You know, we have investors and we want to remain a healthy, vibrant, thriving financially business. But also, you know, we wake up in the morning to help people live better lives. And so impact was also part of that. So for me, when I think about so social innovation, it's about being able to take the power of business and the innovation, the creativity, you know, the, the way to totally look at um, old problems, you know, things that have kind of been burdensome to groups for many years and to like explode everything that we've thought about them before and create new. And so I just think that social innovation is, it's necessary, it's been happening. You know, leaders like yourself have been thinking about it, but we're just, seeing it and naming it because investors, leaders, people who want to join teams, I, I think they're looking to do more in the world than just make enough money to, to pay the bills, you know, or to make more than enough money to pay the bills and that being the way that they measure success. You know, I want to leave the world better than when I found it, right? I want, you know, to make an impact. And, you know, I think a lot about equity and creating a workplace that is not only um, diverse, but really supports populations that are underrepresented right now in a way that they feel welcome and invited and equal, you know? So, so I think that social innovation for me is just, it's kind of a name that we're all agreeing um, to place on work that's been done for many, many years by leaders before me but is being valued differently because it can be more about money, you know, impact the environment, social change, social inequity, those, those things are important. And so the fact that we get to build businesses that can also be profitable around that is just exciting. And I've decided I no longer want to put time into a business that doesn't think about, you know, something bigger than just the bottom line, you know, just profit as a measure of success. Yeah, I'm with you. And I like I like the term because you can find your niche in it, right? So Stonings yeah. is an employee-owned company. And so my social innovation really is about this whole idea of how do you help the middle class and you know, lower middle class 
create real wealth. And we all know that that comes through ownership, right? We know it as being yeah. business leaders, as being business owners, that that is how real wealth is generated. And so when you have the opportunity to own a, a piece of the company and a, a meaningful piece of the company as an individual contributor within an organization, you know, we're really trying to address this whole idea that everybody should be able to share in the success of the company, not just the, the few at the top. I think it's ridiculous that CEOs make two, 350 that yeah. times more than the average employee. And that's just, a, that's a huge problem. And it's going to cause the system to break and it is breaking, but that's where my social innovation gets to come in. And so I love it because you can find your niche. It doesn't mean that you have to fix every problem in the world that's out there. You can't, you can say, this is what we stand for as an organization. This is what we believe in. And this is what we're going to, you know, live by our values that we're going to live by where we're going to put our money. And I think that's really a powerful thing. So I, I love this term and I love the, you know, the, that, the way that you can just find your own little niche in it. Yeah. And I think a lot of consumers are using that as a filter, right? You know, investors are using it as a filter. So I think it's becoming mainstream in a way that more and more individuals are using it as a lens to make decisions where I want to work, where I want to lead, where I want to buy, where I want to invest. And you're totally right. Like what social, how to define social innovation is so open. You know, it's, it's, it's cool to be among peers because we're all doing our own pieces and like what lights us up, you know, what gets us up when things feel hard or what makes us think differently when, when problems kind of keep coming up. Yep. I totally agree. All right. Well, I know our time is up and I could talk to you about this for, uh, for oh, days. So <laughs> Thank you. I love this. Love absolutely. This. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So before you go, where can people find you? How can people find you? Oh, How yeah. can people find, find Mindful Communications? So Brenda at mindful.org is probably the easiest way to reach me. And mindful.org is our website. And, you know, we're always looking for businesses that want to support their teams, you know, in ways that could line up with our work. And so our, there's a mindful at work kind of in the nav bar on our website, if you want to see more about that, but also reach out. And I'm on LinkedIn. Jacobson is S-E-N. I went from Johnson, Brenda Johnson, don't have to spell any of that, but married a Danish man who gave me a, you know, unique spelling of my last name. But, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I would, I would love, you know, I, I spend most of my time talking to companies that, you know, want to think differently about supporting the overall well-being and mental health of their team. So if that is interesting to you, please reach out. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll include all that in the show notes too. So Brenda, it's just been lovely to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so oh, much for spending time you, with me today. Well, hang tight, everyone. I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview. So much fun. We could have kept talking for hours. With that, I will leave you to your day. I hope you have a great one. I look forward to hosting you on next week's Advice from a CEO on Reflect Forward. And as always, if you like this podcast, please feel free to uh, like it, subscribe to it, write a review, rate it. It's always very helpful. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel where my advice from CEO episodes live now. So you can see that full content whenever you would like. All right, take care. Have a great day. See you next week.